This is Site 5 near the Eli Whitney Museum. Our special speaker, Bill Brown, talked to us about the history of this site. Bill works at the Eli Whitney Museum to help children learn more about building and creative problem solving. Bill collects A.C. Gilbert erector sets and is fascinated by the inventions of Leonardo da Vinci. Certainly American natives here, Quinnipiac Indians, uh, when the settlers came to New Haven um, in 1637, whenever New Haven, 1639, whenever New Haven was founded, um, and uh, this site, in fact, became important immediately in that it was the first place north of New Haven, because you have East Rock over here and Mill Rock over there, it's the first place that you could actually build a mill. So two years after the first settlers came, they made a deal with the Indians uh, to build a grain mill here, and that's about the last that uh, the Quinnipiac Indians lived right around this site. Eli Whitney came here in 1798. Um, he bought a mill that had been here before him, and he built what would become the first modern American factory. That building is shown in this historic photograph, and it's this building right here. Uh, and it, he came here because the power of the Mill River made his machines move. What they built was muskets, the highest technology product of the young American economy. It's not so much an invention, but a, a, an application that makes Whitney famous. What he did here was discover a way to coordinate the work of a whole lot of people making something, a musket, which before then had only been made by gunsmiths. And to do that, he learned how to divide labor very thoughtfully. And to do that, he invented a system of jigs and fixtures of specialized tools that allowed 65 people working together to build one product with pretty respectable accuracy. That's the invention of the American system of manufacturing. What was important about it is that people came to discover that you could invent new ways of building things, and that changed not only the way things were built, but the way people were educated. His workers were no longer gunsmiths, but machinists. And that meant that they could produce guns, but they could also produce all the other things that were made in New Haven, Connecticut, and uh, a young America. Barn across the street was built in 1816. This particular building was built in uh, 1904. So if you're asking which buildings were here when Eli Whitney was here, it would be the barn across the street, the boarding house across the street, and the charcoal storage shed, which is on the other side of the river. The river is, my, is pretty close in its lines to the ones that are pictured here. <clears throat> on the other hand, in 1904, more or less down by your school, um, the, the, the tide gates, around 1904, around 1900, tide gates um, caused the river, were, were put in so that the river um, would not be contaminated by the tides. Um, and it meant that the river was no longer a brackish or saltwater river, but a freshwater river. And it meant that the river was a lot cleaner and it meant that you could no longer bring boats all the way up to this armory. 
If you looked very close at this um, 1825 picture, you'd see small boats, which have clearly come up from the harbor. Uh, people don't do that as much anymore because uh, you'd have to get out and walk around the tide gates. Um, in 1825, or when Whitney was here, uh, all kinds of things came up the river um, to this site, um, and that's, that's a change that um, we are grown accustomed to. These abutments here, underneath that covered bridge, were built in 1822, and, and that was simply um, a way to get across the river. The covered bridge was upstream just a little bit. Um, it was built in, again, 1822. There was a huge flood in 1822, and it wiped out um, what had been the, the, the bridge to the Hartford Turnpike. Uh, there are a lot of really good images of that bridge. It was built um, because this was the Hartford Turnpike, this was the Cheshire Turnpike, and it was a toll road. You had to pay money to get on it to go up to Hartford. For the whole history of New Haven, it's rather simple that there were mills on the Mill River. Now, at one time, as many as 13 mills. Um, and by the 1860s, two things had happened. It's flooded now all the way up to Cheshire, so there aren't other places you could take power out of it. And also steam power was changing the way in which um, people powered industry. Why was the dam made? Um, this dam that you see now could be called the one, two, three, four, five, sixth dam that's been built on this river. Right at the beginning of New Haven, there was a small dam uh, that captured um, the water from the natural fall of water that was here. And then in 1798, when Eli Whitney first built his factory, he built a more effective dam. And then in 1850, uh, Eli Whitney Jr. built a much larger dam. All of the first dams were built purely for power, to produce, to, to run water, uh, to accumulate water, to run water wheels. Um, the, the dam built in 1850 was built to produce more power, but really to produce uh, water for New Haven that was growing very, very rapidly. Remember, I would guess that it took um, two years to produce it um, and that it would have been a lot, lot of people. It was expensive uh, and Eli Whitney Jr., Eli Whitney's son, um, had to um, campaign mightily to raise the money to be able to do it. Um, it was unfortunate that New Haveners were um, slow to see the importance of having a reliable water supply. And what really convinced them was some disastrous fires downtown. And it was not clean water uh, so much as the threat of fire that um, eventually caused them to commit to the expense of building such uh, an, uh, probably the first really large um, capital investment in New Haven's history. One of the things that makes a site famous in American history um, is that this is the beginning of the American Industrial Revolution, but this isn't 
the way people might think of the Industrial Revolution in that it's not in cities, it's not smoky, um, it's not steam powered, it's water power. So this is the Industrial Revolution when it's still rural and beautiful. You probably don't think of this as a rural site, but most assuredly in 1798 this was uh, a rural site. Um, and so one of the things that makes this site uh, attractive in telling the story of American manufacturing is that there were a lot of different kinds of animals here and a rich biodiversity uh, in Whitney's time and an awful lot of that biodiversity is still successful. So there are uh, five or six varieties of turtles, there are a hundred varieties of wildflowers and plants. Um, some of which uh, are native and some of which are invasive. So I bet somebody is going to help you understand that part of the, the uh, river's legacy. The plant life has been changing. New Haven was really founded um, in, the, in, the, in the junction of three rivers, the West River, the Mill River, which is in the middle, and, and the Quinnipiac River, which uh, is on the other side of your school. And I think it's a different way of seeing New Haven. It's an absolute pleasure to take a boat ride from here to your school um, and uh, realize just how different that experience is than getting back in a car and traveling back to your school. I strongly recommend that you do that sometime. Next, we talked to Lisa DeFrancisco. Lisa works as an educator for the Whitney Water Center. She greatly enjoys the outdoors. Lisa sees her work with the schools as an opportunity to share her enthusiasm for the environment and all the lessons that our future generations need to know to keep our environment safe. Lake Whitney had a great impact on the economics in New Haven. If the lake was not created, the population center that exists now would not have been allowed to develop. You can't have a viable population without a reliable water source, without firefighting ability, and without a source of industry. And Lake Whitney created all three of those things for New Haven. A lot of unique history to the Mill River. The dam was built by Eli Whitney about a hundred years ago. The lake was created for firefighting, for drinking water needs for the community, and for power for the Eli Whitney Museum from the water center is the Lake Whitney water treatment plant. That's where the water from Lake Whitney behind us goes into this plant through a massive pipe and inside it's disinfected, it's filtered, and it's made safe to drink and it's sent through our distribution system throughout southern New Haven County. A lot of different opinions on what's the worst source of pollution but things like mercury and PCBs that tend to build up in the environment, they have the worst impact on the environment. Those start to accumulate in the system, and like DDT did with the eggs and weakening their shells, it just gets passed from organism to organism in the food chain. So it reaches the most number of organisms in the environment. Some of the pollution can persist in the environment for a long time, like mercury and PCBs that we just talked about. Other pollution can persist in the aquifer and the groundwater supply for decades or even centuries. Other pollution, like fertilizer, which is a very common pollutant, can come from golf courses, farms, lawns, all sorts of different places. And the algae that lives in the lake 
can grow and grow and grow. And that's going to have a very short and immediate effect on the wildlife in the area, the fish that live in the pond, and certainly on the water quality because Lake Whitney is a water treatment reservoir. The fish can affect the water quality of the lake, especially if they're not a native fish to the area. A landlocked alewife can actually do a pretty intense job of eating the zooplankton and the phytoplankton that are in the lake. And that can certainly throw off the natural balance of what's supposed to live in our lake. Since we've been testing the Mill River with Project Water in our education programs, which has been the last three years. Our water quality has been consistently high. I haven't seen any changes up or down. The biggest change that we've seen is the pH in Lake Whitney in the summertime with the algae and plankton blooms that we see. We will sometimes see the pH rise upwards to the order of nine, which is basic for this lake. There is a lot of algae in the lake. Any of the runoff from the surrounding areas with the fertilizer can make the algae bloom into some pretty dark green looking water. As far as the impact on the water, for our drinking water it's going to affect the taste and the smell of it while it's blooming. For the water quality itself it can deplete the oxygen levels in the lake when it starts to die off and that's going to impact the fish. If the oxygen levels get too low then we would have a fish kill where the fish just couldn't survive at the oxygen levels. We've found a few odd things in the river. As far as human impact odd, we've found tires, TVs, grocery carts, those sort of things during our river cleanup. As far as wildlife, at the base of our dam last year, we found an iridescent shark fish. And that was definitely not something native to the area. It was most likely something that someone had released from their aquarium. One wish for the Mill River, it would be that people follow the directions on the fertilizers and the other household things that could have an impact on our water quality. The directions that are put on that package is designed for maximum use. You certainly don't need to put more. All it does is decrease our water quality and impact our wildlife and our ecology. We collected data about the plants and animals that live there. Nematodes are the most numerous multicellular animals on Earth. There are 15,000 known species. If you pick up a handful of dirt, you are probably holding over a thousand nematodes. Some species lay 27 million eggs at a time. When we first looked at this, we thought it was a leech. It's actually a planarian because it has little eyes and it moves like a flat inchworm. There are over 2,500 different species of mosquitoes, 150 of them in the U.S. alone. Mosquitoes require water as a part of their life cycle. They don't care much about water quality. Any type will do. Although, still water pockets are much preferred. Chicory was brought from Europe in the 1700s and many times throughout history. Chicory was used to, as a substitute for coffee. The roasted root tastes the same as coffee without the bad effects of caffeine. It is also believed that chicory can help cleanse the blood and improve your liver health.
The beautiful blue flowers open and close precisely at the same time every day. Bladder campion originally came from Europe. It has flowers that look like tiny balloons beginning to blow up. It was used in combinations with other flowers to relieve swelling of the feet. The wild aster has all 120 different varieties. It has white to dark purple flowers. The tall flower attracts deer and butterflies.